Today, I'm talking to Joy Andrews with Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty, and a Breakthrough Luxury member. With a degree in engineering, a father who immigrated to Nigeria to become a doctor, and a mom from True South Mississippi, also in the medical field, the real estate broker route wasn't the likely path for Joy, nor the one she or especially her family first had in mind. But her career path started 20 years ago. It was with a large-scale builder developer where she led a team and became well-versed in the operations side of development. She then worked with luxury developers where she developed her expertise in architecture and design of luxury homes, which led her to work with a small team in resales and custom new home construction in the most expensive neighborhoods of Buckhead and Atlanta. Today, she is a successful real estate agent serving her friends and the network that she has built over the last 20 years. Joy has an in-depth knowledge of the market and is best exhibited by, in my opinion, one of her most recent sales. This was a referral that came across her desk after a few brokers had written it off as unsellable. Being the expert that she is in real estate and development, she knew the market. She researched the property and she realized this property wasn't just unsellable. It would be worth at least $2 million to a builder developer. She took the referral and she sold the property for more than her $2 million price. Today, Joy shares her story as we talk about how to align and thrive. Thank you for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. Our episodes are powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership. This is a coaching platform that was created and inspired by Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. At Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this is coaching and membership that provides luxury real estate agents, community and coaching that create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com. To get the full story, go direct to the homepage at breakthroughluxury.com. There's a letter from me explaining how all of this came together, and this is now launched in a big part and powered by the Jerry Metcalf Podcast. Last but not least, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Modern Luxury Magazine, who's been there through the ups and downs and some of the greatest successes of my career as a real estate agent. At Modern Luxury, connection and community define who we are. Modern Luxury is the nation's largest media company offering leading brands access to the most affluent audiences in the most prominent cities across the United States of America. And lookbooklink.com, thank you for your sponsorship. This is the digital business card, your digital business card, and it's here. To see mine, go to lookbooklink.com forward slash JMP. Create your own with ease in minutes. You don't even need your kid's help. And you'll have a custom name and a custom QR code for sharing It shares not only your contact info, it shares key resources for your prospects as you meet people. Your prospects and people that you meet will not only never lose your information, they'll see right away why to hire and refer you without you saying a word. 
Go to lookbooklink.com and use promo code JMP123 for 10% savings on every lookbook link you purchase. And now for the show. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today on the show, we have Joy Andrews. She's a top real estate agent with Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty, and she's also a member of Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, powered, by the way, by this podcast. Joy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to give a little bit of information for everybody listening to this and didn't get the audio intro on the downloaded podcast version. You have been a real estate agent, or you've been in real estate and licensed for about 20 or 21 years. You started in development with builders of like, I think, as many as 100 or more homes at a time. You've also been in this business on the other end of the spectrum on high end homes, working with infill projects and new construction and in resale and in development and investments. And now you have been independent for a couple of years. And I can't wait to share some of your amazing success that you've already accomplished in that. But tell us anything I'm leaving out. You pretty much covered it. I have been selling real estate for 21 years in the Atlanta metro area. I've worked in development with production builders. I've worked for semi-custom builders who were regional. And the last decade, I've worked in general sales, mainly focusing in luxury, infield development, and relational sales. So in doing that, you have got quite the perspective that a lot of real estate agents don't. Question number one goes back to, let's start with how and why you got into real estate. Because by the way, you grew up, you grew up in Chicago. Yes. yes. And ended up in Atlanta. <laughs> yes. In real estate. So give us the story. What happened? Why real estate? And you grew up with a family who they weren't real estate. They were more in the professional field of being doctors. And somehow you got in this crazy business. <laughs> yeah, what I, grew up, <laughs> I grew up in Chicago where my mother actually worked as an emergency room nurse for many years. My dad was a business owner and also immigrated here from Nigeria to be a doctor. And I came to Georgia to go to college. And I went to Spelman College and Georgia Institute of Technology, commonly referred to as Georgia Tech. And my degrees are in math and electrical engineering. And I really thought when I graduated that I was going to climb the corporate ladder as an engineer. And so when I graduated from college, I worked several years in engineering. And when I got my real estate license, it really was for investment. I'd done my taxes several years. I wasn't getting back what I thought I should get back. I was single and didn't have any children and asked my tax professional, what's the best way for me to maximize my tax liability? And he told me to either have children or own real estate. And of course, I, I decided to own real estate. So I got my license. I am a self-professed nerd. And I, when I enter into a subject, I like to learn as much as possible about it. So I got my license for investment purposes, to buy my first house and to invest further in real estate. But about a year and a half into having my license, I had purchased property. I had assisted some of the engineers on my team 
and the layoffs came. And when I was laid off, I decided that I was going to attempt to sell real estate full time during a time where I had a severance package. And if it didn't work out, that I would come back to engineering. That was my commitment to my parents. And now what year time, was that? So what year was that that you got the severance package? That was I'm gonna, 2001. Yeah, okay. That was 2001. I was in my early 20s. So I was more impressionable about what my parents thought about my career. So that was my commitment that I would try it. But if it didn't work out, I'll come back. And it it worked out. It, it worked out extremely well, I would say. <laughs> and I never looked back um, as far as working in engineering. I still am very analytical. And I bring that skill set uh, to my business, but I, I found a passion in real estate and it doesn't feel like work. So I have been selling real estate full time since 2002. Wow. So 2002, my parents were also in the medical field and they also thought I was crazy. Um, <laughs> and there was that aspect of it kind of was like serendipitous. Now, when you came, when you broke into the business, give us a little bit of you're you're very organized. You're incredibly analytical. That is a really valuable asset of a real estate agent in a real estate agent, but it's not always the case. So when you broke into the business, I would imagine that was an advantage, but also you came out of a very different world. What were your surprises and what was your path that got that initial momentum back in 2002 or 2001 and 2002? So I would say my initial momentum um, came from when I started working full-time in 2002 and I was laid off, I decided to work for a developer because I had come from a corporate environment. So working on site for a developer five days a week felt similar to the corporate job that I'd had. And I started there. So I started working with a regional production builder who at the time was building about 800 homes a year amongst about 20 communities in the metro area. And I worked at one of those neighborhoods uh, for about two years. I worked for him and then he promoted me to be a vice president of sales. And then I managed 17 agents within those communities, primarily because I was organized. I, I, I don't say that I'm the strongest salesperson, but I lead with knowledge and I'm more of an advisor than I am a salesperson. So you're at this time, you're still in your twenties. Yes. Yes. So on site for two years, and then you were, you became a vice president managing 17 salespeople for a developer who's got 800 homes in six communities. Correct. 800 homes, a little bit more communities, probably about 10 communities by that point. Okay. And um, two agents roughly per community. So approximately 10, 10 communities there that I had to manage. So you came, so you came in and you did that for how many years from 2001 until when? I did that for a couple of years until 2006. And then I decided to go back on site and not manage people. And <laughs> I then um, shortly after that switched to a semi-custom builder, a regional semi-custom builder, and I managed several neighborhoods for him that were above the average price point, and some of them actually custom. 
And that was really my breakthrough or beginning, I would say, to understand luxury more because that builder required us to take 12 weeks of training and architecture and development surveys. So I learned a lot of information during that time formally about the construction process and architecture. Then from there, that's incredible. Like that's an incredible, like, like the layup for success for you. So now, so you're with a builder, more homes. Now you're with a semi-custom 12 weeks of training, just in architecture and surveys. And then from there, you want to tell us something else about. So I was there for, that was 2006 to about 2010, 2009. And that was when we had a shift in the market and there was more inventory than there were buyers in the market. And at that time, I really decided to pivot because I was representing developers exclusively Mm -hmm. and they had too much inventory. So I pivoted and decided that I was going to work in general sales or basically be able to represent both buyers and sellers and not just exclusively represent a developer. And that is when I transitioned to come to Atlanta Fine Homes and and to join a team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that was approximately 2012, late 2012, roughly when I came to Atlanta Fine Homes. And so let's get the full story. And then I want to go back through your experiences and your surprises and what you're learning. But first, Atlanta Fine Homes. So give us a little bit about how that transpired in your experience at Atlanta Fine Homes, which is where you still are today. But in 2000, yes. it's almost 2023. Yes. yes. Almost 13 <laughs> years later. Yes, yes. So when I initially came to Atlanta Fine Homes, it was through referral of an agent in the community that had a connection with the team that I joined. And she put me in contact with them because I was looking for an opportunity where I could grow. Although I've been in real estate for more than a decade, I worked in a, a certain niche. So I wanted to be able to be in a place like Atlanta Fine Homes where I felt like operated out of excellence, but also where I can be a sponge and learn as much as possible, but also bring what I already knew to the table there as well. So being on a team allowed me to do both. And I stayed on that team for approximately almost seven years on the team. I had an operations role which really is my strong suit. That's where my analytical side and my organization comes in. So working in operations really allowed me to learn a lot of detail that helped me to advise clients. And I stayed there approximately seven years. And then just when the pandemic began, right at the top of 2020, is when I left the team and became an individual agent at Atlanta Fine Homes. And that's where I am today. Wow. All right. So you were supposed to be a professional out of college and then you invest in houses instead of have kids, which you do have kids, by the way. You you took on some built-in kids when they were yes, four. Yes. <laughs> but in the meantime, yes. but you thought, well, that was a good choice. As far as like, if it's going to be for the money, go for the real estate. So it was your yes. tax benefits. So then all of a sudden you were in the business 
And yes. as you transition into it, this is for our listeners who are, I mean, you have a lot of perspective to give us that most agents just don't have the benefit of, of ever gaining an insight. And also just, I love to hear about that transition. So going out of and being such an analytical person and such a person, you're a person of excellence, you always wanna learn, and it's about contribution, contributing to make what I'm a part of bigger and better. So I think coming in out of the corporate world into the real estate world, you probably were more fulfilled in that. I think the real estate world kind of thrives on that a little more and I'm being a little presumptuous, but what was your take? What were the goods? What were the good things about it? And what were the surprises and maybe even some of the not so great things about the transition in the beginning? So for me, the, the good part was that uh, I was doing something that I enjoyed, I would say. So I had a, I had a passion to learn more. That was a good part. Um, I would say the challenge for me being analytical is that I really had to take sales training and be intentional about dealing with different personality types other than me. Because being analytical, I purchase and think about purchases differently than someone who is not. So when I first started in sales, I, I sold to people like they were me and that didn't always work. <laughs> so I had to really understand, you know, the different personality types. And I took several different classes, one of which that started was called uh, Owls, Lambs, Bulls, and Tigers. And it kind of divided personality types up and related animals to them. So you can kind of think of it personality-wise in that way. And um, that was the start of some training. But for me, the biggest challenge is to was to at least, now I'm better at it, identify different personality types and approach them in a way that they would be best received of the information that I provide to them about real estate. So I had to really become more intentional about that and dig deep. Outside of that, the transition was pretty simple, I would say. So, and that like in real estate, that's everybody's question. How do I handle the people and how do I do sales, even when they're salespeople? But being an analytical, I bet you got it down to a science. But would, is there a story that you wouldn't be opposed to sharing with us that was kind of a, like, I would imagine you dealing with an assertive, for example, might be interesting. Are any stories where you were like, <laughs> Because in sales, you kind of have to go, yeah, everybody's not like me. How do I manage? I got to understand it and manage it. What's a good story you might have for us? Well, for me, being analytical, the most challenging for me, and I won't even say challenging, the most different, I would say for me, is a person who's quick, honestly, to make a decision. So I've had clients, which one of which I can think of is a friend of mine who I assisted in real estate. And I took her out to see two houses and on the second house, and this wasn't a market in the last two years where you had to quickly you know, decide. And the second house, she said, I love it. I want to make an offer. And I was like, are you sure? You, you, you don't want to look at more? And, you know, I... I almost killed the sale because I couldn't believe that after the second house, 
she was ready to make an offer. Like, that's and every that's, realtor's dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's every realtor's dream, and, but I'm analytical. And I thought if she makes an offer on this particular house and it's only the second one, maybe she'll, you know, regret it. And it's just a higher chance that she'll terminate. I had all of these thoughts in my head and she's still living in the house today. But I had to learn to deal with that personality type who's quick to make a decision and comfortable with it because I typically have analysis paralysis, especially on major decisions. So, and we, we laughed about it afterwards uh, because she is my friend. I thought, yeah, surely you were gonna terminate. And she said, no, I made my mind up. And that, that I knew that was the house as soon as I walked in. So uh, earlier in my career, that was more, it, it was, perplexing to me that someone would do that now not as much but early in my career that that definitely was surprising oh I love that do you have any other stories that I in real estate it can get a little dicey did you have any dicey ones where you thought now as an analytical you tend to probably be quieter and just take it all in and assess it so you avoid those situations like others you know, because a lot of agents are more assertive or accommodating. But what would you say is any fun, dicey situation that you would share? And there might not be. I'm totally like like throwing this at you out of nowhere. So for me, I I tend to when the situation may get dicey or um, feels a little pushy or anything of that nature, I tend to step back and, and like you said, be quiet and observe mm -hmm. and. Um, if someone is a personality type that feels the need to be in control of the situation, they'll definitely feel like they're in control, even though I'm still managing the process behind the scenes. I, I don't have an ego to the extent that it's big. You know, I have a, I would say a basic ego. Some agents have a big ego. Um, I don't. So it's easy for me to allow others to lead or at least feel like they're leading, I should say. Um, but being analytical, yeah. <laughs> I usually am still in control of the process, but I don't have to uh, outwardly show that, I guess is the best way to say that. Being organized and so knowledgeable, you're in a position to give, to guide them and support them in a way that they feel they have autonomy. But at the end of the day, you're managing the process to keep them out of their own way at the same time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you went from selling for someone with 800 homes, lower price point. Now you're in an elevated semi-custom price point. You learned a lot about architecture. You've got amazing, I mean, like, like I want to find the 12-week program and offer it to everybody because that sounds like what every real estate agent should do anyway, especially just understanding architecture and construction. I mean, what a huge advantage. In that transition, what can you tell us then so that what was probably maybe kind of some, what were some of the most valuable things that you learned or lessons in that part of your transition? I would say some of the most valuable things I learned is one to always, and I learned this even being an engineer, to always seek knowledge. You know, as an engineer, we had to take continuing education. As a real estate agent, we have to take continuing education. But I typically seek knowledge above and beyond that uh, require continuing education because that knowledge allows me to service my clients at the highest level. Sometimes that information is, is life-changing for a client. 
Um, it can be life-changing for that transaction, so yeah. to speak. So getting that knowledge and construction and architecture allows me to, when I'm showing a house, I can reference certain features. I can call out the style of the home. I can call out the coffer ceilings. I can call to all different types of architecture that someone may not even know what that feature name is. It also allowed me from the standpoint of surveys and development, it allowed me to be able to read a survey at a level that the average agent isn't able to do so, which is very important when you think about developing, especially as it relates to infield development, when I got into that. When you're looking at a production builder, the plat is recorded as one big parcel of land. It's not as many concerns that you would have as if you're doing infield building. So it allowed me to have a base amount of knowledge that continued to grow when I came to Atlanta Fine Homes and worked on a team and took continuing education. And I'm just a, a lover of learning. I, I personally, I've watched Jeopardy probably since... I was like nine, honestly. And when uh, Alex Trebek passed away, I, I was sad. So that that is my personality type. I am a trivia person at the restaurant. I am a Jeopardy watcher. And so it just falls in line for me that when something, when training or continuing education is offered, I'm happy to go to the class because I know I'm going to learn something that may help me today or it may help me down the line. For example, here in the Atlanta metro area, we have the Beltline. And the Beltline, actually, I was aware of because I'm a Georgia Tech graduate and it was a Georgia Tech grad student's thesis project. So I kind of followed it since learning that. But the knowledge of the Beltline, I continue to gain because they host webinars and training that you can go to. And that knowledge helped me in a transaction. And the transaction that it helped me with was the largest largest commission I've earned yet just from having that knowledge. So um, that was just confirmation for me above and beyond other examples that I've had in the past that knowledge truly is power. And that knowledge allows me to operate out of excellence for my clients. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that knowledge, because I think there's a few things as you go through your career, just to replay what you said, and then let's bring us back to where we are on it, because I want to talk a little bit more about that transactions and other great examples and knowledge is you're a real estate agent. You're you're not even you're supposed to be an engineer. You're supposed to have a nine to five for yeah. a corporation, yeah. first of all. But that all didn't work out, fortunately. Yes. And so you're investing <laughs> you're investing in properties. You're working for a builder with eight hundred. You're working with a semi custom, and then you that evolves into the more custom builder and developer situation. So and then now you've become an independent agent. So as that transition in the more recent part of your career, a referral came across your table. And I think what's interesting to share, and then I'll ask you, I happen to know um, about your deals, of course, or some of them. And I love this one because it was a transaction that, or it was a referral, or it was a, a piece of business that became a referral to you that most people looked at and pretty much anyone, any, any good agent looked at it and they were like, oh, that's not doable. That's a waste of time. That came across your table and you paused and said, and I love the analytical, I'd have been like, give it, I'll figure it out. No, 
you said, <laughs> give me a couple of days. I might want to help you with that. After a lot of other brokers had said, no, not sellable. You looked at it and that property ended up not only being not sellable, it was actually a combination of properties that property ended up being worth a few million dollars. And yes. the guy who bought it had bought it sight unseen it from another country. And so he's just kind of taking everybody's word on it. So give us a little bit. And then the other thing is you said knowledge is power. And it's also not just listening to what everybody else is saying, but stopping and taking the knowledge you have and the resources you have and going, okay, wait a minute, Let, let's really analyze this. Walk us through what we can learn from that experience alone from you and how you actually did know when nobody else did. So it, it was strictly by knowledge. Um, and so going back to the Beltline, there was a referral for a commercial sale and um, not everyone in the office does commercial. So they came to who they thought may be interested in it. And eventually it got to me because there was not interest from other parties. And from my knowledge and basically understanding the Beltline, I looked at the address and I looked at it in Google Maps and you know looked at it and said, I think right adjacent to it is the Beltline, but I wasn't 100% sure. So I wanted to drive by and I wanted to also superimpose its address with the Beltline map. And so I did ask for 24 hours for me to be able to dig in. And in that 24 hours, I drove by, I dug in further, and I confirmed what I already thought, that it was adjacent to the Beltline. And that, that was huge because the, the Beltline... And the line, fact that nobody knew that. Keep going. <laughs> yes. I want to add some things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they... No one knew that prior, if, if they knew that, they pro I, it probably wouldn't have made it to me because um, my knowledge of the Beltline and knowing that it was adjacent, anything adjacent to the Beltline right now is hot. So mm -hmm. I, when I confirmed that, I, I just needed to dig further to analyze how much I should list it for. But I knew that I was going to take the listing because it was in a market Although it to look at it, it, it was still in infancy stages, I'll say. It had not been paved yet. Um, so if you're not following the information that's being put out by the Beltline about the paving and the status, you really wouldn't be abreast of what the status is currently. But going back to that knowledge and sitting on those calls, I didn't know why I was sitting on those calls. I knew I was sitting on the calls for information to be able to better service my clients. But I never knew that it would be this particular transaction. I just exactly. thought it would be to service clients, maybe to buy a condo on the Beltline or to put their business on the Beltline. I didn't know that I was uh, learning this information for a future referral that would come. So I was preparing for something unknown and gladly. So all of that to say, once I confirmed it was the Beltline and then start analyzing value, I knew that Invest Atlanta, which is an entity here that really is working through commercial opportunities. They work through the tax allocation districts and the opportunity zones. 
And I dug further into that detail to see that the property was in both the tax allocation district and the opportunity wow. zone. Now, most people which, wouldn't know what that is or how to do that, yeah. by the way. <laughs> so that and those me being analytical, my evenings are, you know, watching Jeopardy on the computer, you know, while the TV's on, really just reading stuff. I read every day. I read the Atlanta Business Chronicle, I read the Wall Street Journal, I read CNN, I read all kind of news. I mu- read music news, I read, you know, just everything. So part yeah. of that is really understanding what's going on in the city. And that, that was honestly a blessing for me because I was able to not only assist a client who needed to sell that property and get it off of his hands, but it, uh, it also allowed me to earn a commission, a very substantial commission, but also to um, be able to break into commercial just that much more, which allowed me, now I have two additional commercial listings in that same area. So it really allowed me to establish myself in that area. And when I put it on the market, there was multiple, it was a multiple offer situation because just as I thought anyone who had been following the Beltline and looked at that parcel of land knows that it's a great opportunity, even though what you saw with your eyes was basically a blighted area. It was a great opportunity. Well, what you but if, if you didn't know the details and you didn't have the knowledge, even if you were an agent in the market, if you didn't stop and pause and really look at the details, which is what you did, you thought this is a property and a, the if one of the if not the most dangerous parts of part of Atlanta, I'm not driving over there, and <laughs> it's not worth anything. And it was the complete opposite. Never judge a cover by a picture or anything, a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, there's three things. The next thing is that as we do as real estate agents, it's not like we're sitting around, we're not sitting around waiting for somebody to give us a job. We're investing, we're growing, we're learning. And when we do that, we're preparing for the opportunity when it comes our way and it's up to us to prepare for it. And it's not that we're waiting for it, but we're preparing and investing in it. And the next thing is when the opportunity does come your way, you might miss it if you don't keep your eyes open. Because if you're going to receive something, giving's one thing, but you can't you can't give much if you can't receive and see these kinds of opportunities that gave to your client and the ones now coming to you the opportunity to sell a property for a lot more than he paid for it, which is our job. Yes. And I was so proud of myself because when it was all said and done, he made more than a million dollars off of the sale. And of Uh course. That that feels great, but I knew his background situation and that allowed him to do something else that he needed to do for his family in a whole nother country. So it was a feel good story from a standpoint that I felt confident I could sell it and I was able to execute. So I was proud of myself in that sense, but also proud that I'd help someone, you know? And sometimes we think that people with, money or in a luxury environment that we're not helping them. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got into this mainly to help people, you know, and when I got right. into luxury, helping people in luxury sometimes looks different, but we're still in the business of helping people. And that's what I am most proud of to be involved in assisting people 
with the largest purchase oftentimes in life. Yeah. And and rich people are people too. And I don't yes. like that. <laughs> That's an awful quote. But I think the yes. point is too is that by being a person of excellence, of contribution, and someone who's learning, you're reinforcing in an environment and contribute. Look at what it's done for that area of Atlanta. Sure. It was a it was becoming a great area anyway. But reinforcing help perpetuate the growth there in the community and in the individual's life in your own life and that helped you grow and level up to contribute to even more lives and more of your clients that are more suitable to the expertise and the knowledge that you have yes yes so as you look at your career that was probably a heck of a lesson in of its own or even a revealing of showing up for who you knew you were but what have been some of your biggest ahas and some of your biggest lessons and you start with either one of those or if they're both the same hmm. my biggest lesson is to trust your gut that's my biggest lesson <laughs> because it, coming from saying, an analytical by the way Yes. <laughs> yes. To, to trust your gut, to trust your instincts there. It is not wrong. Um, my biggest aha moment is to sometimes to leap earlier, because as I said previously, sometimes I have analysis paralysis and it's okay to analyze, but not to get stuck in it. So my biggest aha moment was a time where I leaped without a lot of extra analysis and thought to it and it all worked out like it was supposed to <laughs> you're like oh wow yeah now can you share? i didn't have to overthink it What's the, is there a story can you is there a story you can share or <clears throat> so even to the one that i'll sh I, I i won't share the most recently but the one i'll share is when I, I came to Atlanta Fine Homes. You know, I'd been working for a developer for more than a decade. And although the market was shifting, I was still thinking about it too long. You know, mm -hmm. I had done general sales in the beginning of my career, had a stint where I was doing development and construction, and I, I got uncomfortable in all honesty. And I was thinking, well, do I stay here until the market gets better? Do I try general sales and I think I won't say that I thought about it too long because in hindsight the timing was right but I could have thought about it in less timing in essence and that is sometimes some of the decisions I make uh, major decisions I make I could think about it less even my most recent I had to buy a car when last year when um, a lady hit me on the interstate and they totaled out my car and I thought about it so long and hard that my husband's like, why are you still thinking about that? Why are you still <laughs> just choose one, you know? So just decisions even like that, I, you know, it, it takes me too long sometimes. So I'm proud of myself when I can make a decision and leap and not overanalyze. Yeah. And learning like there's that gut, go ahead, check it, mm -hmm. listen to it. It's going to be all right. It's going to work out. And I would bet you that some of that is, is, and I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I know you, and I'd love to hear what you think of this, but just listening, what comes to me is, it's about, a lot of it is, 
when you align yourself with the right people in the right environment and you show up to what you know you're best at, which is for you, what I'm hearing is you're a person of contribution, a person of delivering excellence and a person of contribution. I wrote them down, but contribution, excellence and always learning. And when you put yourself yes. in that environment, <laughs> you can do the gut. The decisions are easier to come and the options are get just get better and better. Yes. And I, as I get older and more mature and comfortable in myself, I'm, I'm more confident in the leap. You know, in my younger years, not as much. But, you know, yeah. now as a woman in my mid 40s and, you know, trusting my core more then I'm, I'm more likely to leap without a lot of thought. Because you've if you got there's a track record of life now. You can see how yeah. and things work out. <laughs> Yes, yes. And getting around, getting, and that is getting, not the end of the world. If, right. Even if I made the wrong decision, it's not the end of the world there. So well, it's yes. like Steve Jobs says, if you fail, it's just, it's you can't fail, especially when you're an entrepreneur, even as a real estate agent, failure is a pathway to learn more, to grow and get better. And yes. better outcomes that you might not have seen had you not had that failure in the first place. Yes. Couldn't have learned all Agreed. that. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> Looking at, so we're about to do the final three, but I want to ask you one more question and it could lead to more, but okay. as, you look at, as you look at your career, someone who's an analytical, who's become such a great entrepreneur and great real estate broker and kind of the unlikely profile, what has been your biggest surprise? I mean, you came in analytical, I'm supposed to go to school and have a job. And now you're a real estate agent and you're an independent. Now it took you a minute, but you took a beautiful path to get there. But as you look back over it, this wasn't what you planned. What is the best or biggest surprise about it all? Like, did you see that this would be? Now, you're not at the end yet. You're still in no. your career and thriving, <laughs> and you've got some great places to go. But you saw yourself, I think, having a real job, and that's not where you are. How do you feel about it, or what is the biggest surprise about it for yourself? I think I, I feel great about it um, because... Although I thought I would climb a corporate ladder, I wasn't attached to any particular role, you know, and I think that's how I've been able to go from a vice president in sales to an individual agent to working on operations because I'm not attached to titles. I would say the biggest and the best surprise is that in 21 years, I've had consistent success through all of those titles, through the change in the market, through the change in, you know, the brokerages that God has allowed me to find consistent success every year and, um, and to continue to grow my business. And that he's allowed me to do it where most of my business comes out of my sphere of influence. So it really doesn't feel like work when I'm working with clients. Oftentimes they are people I've known for these 20, 30, 35 years from different walks of life, whether it's, you know, from school or family or family friends. So the biggest surprise to me is definitely the consistent success that I love what I do and I'm able to do it with a sphere of people who really I, I find, call family, friends, and it, it doesn't feel like work. That's awesome. And it was supposed to be work and it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and engineering did feel like work, but <laughs> this yeah. does not. 
Yes. It's like sometimes the curses, like the layoffs in the 2001 recession that was pretty awful, especially in the tech world, was probably the greatest gift that led to a much better life. Yeah. And for me, when I got laid off, I can remember the HR lady saying, you're the happiest person to be laid off. And maybe because I was in my 20s. And I said, I don't, I just know that God has, when he closed one door, he opens another. And of course I said that and I believed it, but I, I didn't know what was, you know, I didn't know what was next. And when you're in your twenties, you don't really worry about it as much. So I, you no. know, I, it didn't bother me to be laid off because I didn't have any responsibility <laughs> really. Why? And I just wanted to do something that made me happy at that time. I was, I felt obligated to the job because I had two degrees related to the subject and it was a good job. So it, they really blessed me when they laid me off because the, I wouldn't have leaped, especially in the in my 20s. I would not have leaped and sold real estate full time. I would have been a person who stayed on my engineering job and did it part time, which is what I did for the first year until they laid me off. So it was a blessing wow. in disguise. And in that, I hear about gratitude and everything, faith and everything that happens and detachment. And part of people are like, well, how do you detach? Like, like, it's like, but right. But it's, and especially you're analytical, but it goes back. What I hear is it's faith and gratitude. Yes. As an analytical, I, I it's, it's very hard to detach, but my faith allows me to detach and life experiences. You know, when you've gone through an experience where you know truly who your source is, then you're able to detach, at least for me. And that experience, I, I felt that way already, but true detachment, you know, for me came, evolved. And my, I guess my last experience with detachment was about four years ago when I, I had major surgery. I was in a wheelchair for a year and I had to have my patella tendons, which is the, ten the largest tendon in your body. And it connects your lower leg to your thigh muscles in essence. And for about a year, year and a half, I had to heal. I had to learn to walk again and then learn to walk again unassisted. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't know for sure. I prayed and expected that I would get back, but you don't know until you're there. And in that time, I, I trusted God as my source, you know, and I still had business. I had people who went out and showed property for me, took the log boxes off and, you know, went to closings. But that was just another experience amongst others where I had to truly believe that God is my source because I did, I had to. And I, I believe that. So I, I believe in the spirit of abundance. I believe yeah. that he will take care of me. So spirit that allows abundance. me to, yes, to operate in, in a world with a spirit of abundance and be happy and not look down the road and see, oh, well, you know, what am I going to do if this happens? I trust that it is taken care of. Wow, that's powerful. It, and just that spirit of abundance. We've talked a little bit offline about that is, you know, when things happen, there's this moment of surrender where you realize there's all these things that I think matter that I'm attached to. But half of it is just what I'm labeling things as. And there's so much more depth and meaning and beauty in this life that we live if we just let ourselves pause and receive it. Yes, yes. And be intentional to receive it.
you know, and clear out some of the clutter. Sometimes when you're healing, you, you know, you're not as busy and things calm down and it's quiet and you really have the time to realize what really is important. Not to say that I don't like nice things, you know, I like mm -hmm. nice cars, houses, jewelry, all of those things, yeah. but you really get down to the fundamentals. And when that happens, it clears a lot of stuff away that was distracting you before. So we're an amazing deal. And the part of town that everybody else is writing off comes up. <laughs> you have the clarity and the knowledge, by the way, to go, oh, wait a minute. Perhaps yes. that is sellable and not just sellable, but it's going to make us a few million dollars. It's a great opportunity. Yes. It's an opportunity. Yes. Uh-huh. Because in that time I was reading and, you know, from my hospital bed, I was on the internet seeing what's going on and, who's the latest zoning. And those are things that I'm, I enjoy reading. So it's just natural that I can use that information then to go and help someone in their transaction. Even, you know, that's one aspect of it. But one of the other things I'm studying now is to really help my clients. I, as I said, I'm in my mid forties. A lot of my clients are similar age to me and we're about to experience the largest transfer of wealth ever. So one of the things I'm trying to learn more about is estate planning and, you know, so that I can help. And you'll know all about as, it if anybody does. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, as we're experiencing this last largest transfer of wealth that, you know, people's parents in my case or grandparents are really prepared for this and it's, they're not dying intestate and things of that nature. So you know, that, that's now what I'm learning more about. That's on my radar in these recent weeks so that I can then convey that information to my clients and they can in turn help their families with their estates so that they, they can be taken care of. I, I dealt with a call like that today, which made me say, okay, I'm on the right path because yeah. I'm getting calls now to assist someone who's dealing with it and not in a good way because they've lost a parent and they're didn't have a will. So um, I'm just, wow. I love to be able to learn and then pass that knowledge on to someone else. And align, when you align with what you love learning and who you are giving, contributing and delivering to excellence, it's amazing what happens, right? Like rather than yes. chase stuff down, you're arriving for the best version of yourself and you're aligning with the people that resonate with you and that in the abundance that you live in just perpetuates. Yes. Final three, unless you want to add anything to that. No. <laughs> so number one, what would you say if you could pin it down to one thing has been the greatest resource for your success? I would say resilience. Hmm because you can't get to a point of success without being knocked down and having to get back up. So resilience in any aspect of success, whether it's business success or personal success in a relationship, success in weight loss, you have to be resilient. It's If you're gonna get there, it's not gonna be for lack of failure, but because of it. <laughs> and when you fail, it's not that you failed, it's what you do as the response mm -hmm. to it that gets you there. And those are the yes. blessings. Yes, and I only think you fail. 
Yes. And you only fail if you don't get back up. Mm. If you keep trying, you haven't failed. Number two. If there's a book that we've got to read that's changed your life or career, what is it? I would say, not so career would be Ninja Selling. And life by Ninja Selling is for the Ninja, it's a training class. And um, it really changed my life in a certain way because it put words and a, a plan to a process that I already was somewhat doing, but now it made me more intentional. Personally, the book I would say that had a, a lot of impact is Reposition Yourself by T.D. Jakes. And it, it really talks from a spiritual standpoint about when you're in a valley in life, how to reposition yourself without apathy, without anger, and to really take those lessons as part of what you should learn anyway in life to thrust you forward to whatever God has planned for you. Back to faith, gratitude, and resilience. Yes. Reposition yourself by T.D. Jakes. Yes. Last question. If we forget everything, everybody listening, and even me, which I won't, but anyway, in this conversation <laughs> today, what is the one thing you hope we take away from this? That, hmm. For me, it is that follow, trust your instincts, follow the path that your instincts lead you because it isn't wrong. You know, follow your gut feeling, be intentional about operating out of excellence and follow your gut feeling and it'll lead you to where you're supposed to be. That doesn't mean that the path is perfect or it's straight, but it will lead you to where you're supposed to be. Wow. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for a beautiful interview. Joy Andrews with Atlanta Fine Homes and Breakthrough Luxury Member. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf Podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com.